Craft Beer Radio, episode 18, November 3rd, 2005. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bearer. This week, the first of two episodes on the American IPA, something that we're very happy to do because we're both hopheads. Welcome back, Greg. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. Glad to be free of all the little diseases and germs that may have accompanied me back from Japan. So fortunately, they're all gone. I'm happy they aren't terminal because I didn't want to find a new host for the show. Well, I didn't want to have to give you a, a new host, so... I'm happy they're not terminal too. <laughs> uh, we should, I guess, start with business. Yep, we got a lot of stuff since we've had so long off. We got news, we got emails, yeah. we got all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be a busy show. Sounds good. We are happy to announce that there is a new way that you can support Craft Beer Radio. This is through our affiliate partnership with SudsGear.com. SudsGear.com sells beer merchandise, and they have a nice selection of swag from microbreweries such as Stone, Alaskan, Yards, Hebrew, New Belgium, Full Sail, Rogue, and others. For every purchase our listeners make at sudsgear.com, they will give us 10% of all sales. And as a special deal, they will give you a 10% discount when you use our coupon code. This is a good way to support Craft Beer Radio and for you to get something in return. If you are like me, then you're going to buy beer swag anyway. Why not buy it from sudsgear.com and help support your favorite beer tasting podcast? To make sure that your order counts for us and that you get your 10% discount, be sure to use the coupon code CBR when placing your order. Get a starving podcaster a new microphone and buy a shirt from sudsgear.com. There are several ways you can leave us feedback. You can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can call the beer line at 202-206-BEER. Vote for us on Podcast Alley and leave a comment. And you can also send us audio comments via email. We are looking to get some business cards made up for Craft Beer Radio. I thought I would mention it here and see if any of our listeners had some good connections to get us some business cards at a good price. If you do, send us an email. It'd be appreciated. For those of you subscribed to the extras, last week you noticed was the first time. Last show was when we split the pre-show and the post-show up because people like listening to the pre-show before the main show. There was about 30 or 40 less downloads of the pre-show than the post-show because the post-show was the newest one Mm -hmm, on the feed. mm Mm-hmm. So if you didn't get both, email us and let us know what podcast aggregator you're using. I know that I had iTunes and, and I downloaded, you know, it downloaded only the latest one, not, only downloaded the post show, not the pre-show. Oh, really? See, so. you would think it would download the ones that, if you've been subscribed yeah. previously, it would download all the new ones. You would if think. you're a new subscriber, you would only get the last one. That's how it should work. Right. But someone's stuff, like 40 people's stuff only got the most recent one but that could be like for instance i have and you know this is gonna it, it, it will make it sound like we're cheating a little bit on the numbers but at home i have itunes set to download and at work i have itunes set to download and maybe i download it you know once and it automatically downloads but i don't actually download oh, okay at both places so uh just let us know if you're not getting both shows and maybe we'll weigh the options and see if it's worth keeping them as two or one all right that's it for news, or business this business. week. Yeah. That's not it for news, but first we're going to go on to emails. Lots of emails over the three weeks. We always love getting them, so we're gonna please start keep off. sending them. Yep. Rick wrote in, Confusion as to whether alt beers or ales or lagers is understandable, because there are two alt beer styles officially. That's kind of interesting. Under the BJCB guidelines, there is 7A, the North German alt beer. It's made with lager yeast. 7C is the Dusseldorf alt beer, and it's made with ale yeast. Now, it tastes more like an ale, I mean, the one we had, so... You, you tend to think of, of it as sort of being an ale, but I guess it's interesting. Right. It reminds me of something that on the interview uh, for the Otaro Brewery, um, I talked to Brian Dishman about, and he stated that not all Hefeweizens, in fact, that a German brewer would tell you that a Hefeweizen is a lager and not an ale. He gave a lot of reasoning behind it, and we're kind of confused as to it because we always thought of Hefeweizens as ales. Yeah, everything I can find says that the Hefeweizen is an ale yeast. Now, I can understand if they do a lagering process on the Hefeweizen, where after it's fermented, it's crashed down and stored mm-hmm. at a cold te- and lagered at a cold temperature. 
but he mentions specifically in the interview that he uses a lager yeast, which was confusing for me. So we'll need to get but, some... Listen to the interview when yeah. we put it up and let us know if you have an answer. I mean, he is a... Um... A very accomplished brewer. He studied for five years in Germany and had a brewmaster certificate and graduated. You know the whole the whole nine yards. So he knows what he's talking about. Right. I'm not saying he doesn't. Just yeah. We need a clarification. It's one of those things that it certainly wowed me when I heard it. Next email. Wes writes in. He he's commenting on the Porter Show. He really likes Burke Grant's Perfect Porter, a beer that I haven't had. No, neither have I. We can't get Burke Grant's here in Pennsylvania. Where are they from? Bert Grants is in uh, Washington, but apparently they're... Remember the last show we did the news where they're not brewing there anymore? They're going to be contract brewed oh, by right, right. different breweries around the country. He's, I think Wes is from Florida, and he can get it there, it sounded wow. like. So maybe Pennsylvania's just unlucky. In... You know, I was thinking with a name like Perfect Porter, you have a lot to live up to, don't you? It certainly does. <laughs> so, I mean, if it's good, then that would certainly fit. Brian wrote in, he had a pretty good idea. We could do a cask ale show. We could record individual segments at bars, and once we get enough together to make a Cascale show, we could put up the show. We thought about that. I think we 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 met we post show at some point. I don't know if we actually had it on on mic, but we definitely talked about that a little bit. I like the idea. I don't know how well it'll go as as a main show. It might be hard to keep it uh, flowing. Yeah, since you know they could be weeks or even months apart from segment one to segment two. Because it's not all, we can't just go to like eight bars that have casks. I felt like doing a lot of driving, maybe, but <laughs> Heath as he went to the uh Beer Advocate Boston Beer Company tour with Jim Cook in July and he tried. We mentioned on a previous show that they were testing two new beers, a Pilsner and a Brown Ale. And he tried both of them and he says that he would cast his vote for the Pilsner as opposed to the Brown Ale. He thought it was better. I think I mentioned uh, on the show that I would rather see a Brown Ale because I'd like to see more brown ales out there. I mean, Pilsner is certainly great. I love Pilsners, but I'd like to see more brown ales out there. But he said the Pilsner is better to his taste. So, Christopher from Wayne, New Jersey wrote in. He has a question why some breweries, mostly the larger ones, require you to put in your date of birth to prove whether you're 18 or 21 to get to the website. Mm -hmm. He wants to know if there was a law or if they were just CYA. And, I think uh, it's CYA. Yeah, it's CYA. I think it, it, it's it's a... It's a rather transparent attempt by the big brewers to stave off litigation, preventing them from putting their sites online. But well, I don't I don't think it's going to happen anymore. I think it's just sort of – at this point, it was early. It was early when they started doing that, when they first started putting beer stuff online. They didn't want to have litigators say, oh, kids can get beer stuff online. Nowadays, you can get far worse stuff online, so I think people really aren't concerned. But it's just sort of a remnant. It, it might have you know a legal – Precedent, I mean, premise or something. I mean, because you could say this person didn't follow our terms of service. They lied and put in an older date. Right. So it might, it might actually cover their ass a little bit. So we'll see. I, I guess so. But on the other hand, you don't see any small brewers doing that. And they'd be the ones who have more Actually, there are some. Really? There's some craft brewers. I can't remember which ones offhand. But when I go looking for information, there's ones that make you put in a birthday. I mean, at, 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 on one sense, they'd be the ones who have more to fear from litigation because they don't have the huge army of lawyers behind them. On the other hand, a young kid is much more likely to go to a Budweiser than they are to go to a dogfish head. Yeah. Better safe than sorry is right. probably the best way to describe it. Ben from Ithaca, New York, keeps complaining. He, he says that we keep complaining that the restaurant business doesn't understand the benefit of pairing beer with food. But uh, Cornell University is hot on the case with the help of... Anheuser-Busch. Our favorite. He'll be, he says he'll be trying his best to get into the class, and if he does, he'll keep us updated, and we're certainly interested to hear what that's all about. There's a link to the class description on our website, so check that out if you're curious. Now, in your interview with Lou, you mentioned, and he mentioned, that some of Anheuser-Busch's products are actually not bad. And there's, a, there's just a stigma attached to it when you're drinking it. You say Anheuser-Busch, and you want to hate it. Yeah, yes, you do. And that's part of because they've spent so much money and so much time convincing people right. that... Beer is what they want you to think beer is. So. Right. When they have Budweiser ads that say, Budweiser, this is beer. And you just want to throw up when you hear that. Okay, next we have Rick. He sent us in an audio comment. Our first audio comment. Let's give it a listen. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Greg. My name is Rick Sellers. Hey, Greg. Welcome back from your trip to the uh, southern part of the world. Hope all was well. And uh, I trust you had a great time and had some uh, great experiences. 
I'm out here in California, grew up in Oregon, and I love your show. I listen to it uh, every time it's out. And in fact, I've listened to several episodes more than once, taking notes and just uh, trying to sample the beers as you taste them. I did have an idea. If you know what beers you're going to try in advance, maybe you could put those on your website or even mention them in your show for your, you know, say like in the next show, we'll be sampling this or sampling that. So that when we listen to your podcast, if we have access to those beers um, locally, we can taste them with you and see if we taste the same things that you taste or if we've missed things that, that you've found. Thank you, Rick, for the audio comment. We've actually addressed this issue before. Putting the shows, putting a list of beers we're going to do on the show uh, beforehand, it's something that we actually have, are more capable of doing now than we were before because we actually have a bunch of beers that we sort of know we're going to try. But it's still hard for us to do because we don't necessarily know what beers we're going to try before we do it. We have a list of, especially for a show like this where we have two separate shows, we have 12 beers. We don't know which ones we're going to try on the show. We just sort of assemble that madcaply beforehand. We find it best to do it that way for our style. We need better time management, I yeah. think, is the main thing. I can do it, and I'll try to I'll try to start putting the lists up. But if I don't have time, I don't want to hear anyone complaining about yeah. it. And sometimes we do, before the show, like two days, grab the beers, and so we don't even know. So it's one of those things where we pick a style beforehand, sometimes... The week beforehand, sometimes two days beforehand, and we grab the beers and everything like that. So we'd like to do it, but we're pretty much afraid that we can't guarantee that we'll always be able to do it. I'll make a bigger effort at trying and appeasing everyone who wants that list. <laughs> I can understand where, hey, it's the avid fans who, yeah. who can't wait. They want to hear the show as soon as it comes out. And, if, what, those... and not only that, but they, they want to taste the beers with us, and I certainly understand that too. But those are our biggest fans, so yeah. we might as well do what we can to, to appease yeah. them. So. Uh, Ethan from Atlanta asked us if we could do some rye ales. Well, we'd like to. There isn't too many around here, even on a good day, to go find yeah. to put a show together. But this puts up a interesting proposition. Ethan offered to send us some rye ales from Atlanta. I forget the name of the brewery that said it's really good. If there are others out there who have bottled rye well, ales... I, I would caution about sending beer because it is... Not legal to send us beer. However, as we said before, you can certainly send us some interesting books on rye beer. Or yeast samples? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is a felony to send beer to Pennsylvania. <laughs> felony. Felony schmelony. <laughs> so we don't want to encourage that. You know, if you just want to email us and let us know about some good books that are out there. Right. That'd perhaps, be fun. Perhaps you can send us a, a book. Okay, th this is funny because this is, this is our first real, like... I wouldn't say hate mail, but it's, it's our first real harsh criticism of the show. Yeah, I was going to say it's harsh. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, Carmen who wrote in and wanted to bitch about our show. This is how, how Carmen described it. Says that we listened to his first show, which was our ESB show, which was, I think, episode six. Yeah. Uh, we're on episode 18 now, so we like to think we've improved since then. I hope so. <laughs> he likes ESBs, so that's why he listened to the ESB show. His number one gripe is that we took an English style and did not show any English examples of the style. Yes, that's true, but it's not exactly easy for us to get English ESPs, maybe Fuller's. Yeah, other than Fuller's, it, there might be some other ones I'm not familiar with, but I don't know. <laughs> so it's a hard criticism for us to do. I mean, that's, that's, that's all we had were Americans for the most part. He uh, said the Brutal Bitter is not intended as an ESB, but as a specialty beer like a double IPA or Imperial whatever. Well, that's certainly true. It is a Imperial ESB or some mm -hmm, sort. Mm -hmm. The Flying Fish ESB is actually an Amber. Now with this one, okay, maybe if you're judging it blind, but it's classified as an ESB on Beer Advocate. It says ESB on the label. Right. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, I'm calling it an ESB. Yes, I, I agree with that. Well, he and he was talking about the hops and Cascades and Centennial Willamette. He wants to know where the East Kent Goldings is, so... Maybe we should have classified it as American ESBs. We would have done that had we done it show number 19. Number uh, two. <laughs> this is funny. Bitters are not bitter. <laughs> Check out the derivation of the name. Now, it's true. Be, well, it, 
I don't know. I'm not sure. It depends on how you're looking at it. Yeah. It doesn't mean a bitter is going to taste like a, a dill pickle or something right. like bitter. It's going to... But it is bitter compared to other I think English-style ales. We said on there, mmm, bitter beers. We, we like bitter beers. And I think Carbon is reading into that that it's like get down, downing a whole thing of salt or something. But that's not how we intended it. It's the taste which leads to the name... And I mean, they're called ESB, so you expect some bitterness there. If they're called bitters, you expect them to be bitter. And the third gripe was that we made a comment that we don't like blended beers because we want to drink the beer as the brewer intended. And then that was a show where we broke out the cheeses. Mm -hmm. we, we also talk about having beer with food. That was the reason why we broke out the cheese, because we wanted to impress that you can really accent or, or in a sense, change the beer, but not necessarily away from the way a brewer intended because they're drinks and drinks are meant to be supplemented also with food at times. Taking something and adding a different flavor to it and keeping it as a drink, I think, is is to okay. me where, where it gets bad. But drinking a beer with food is not necessarily bad because you, you're just sort of supplementing the whole activity. That That's the way I look at it. But then again, the cheese thing didn't work out very well for no, the show it's, either. No, it's so. true. It, it didn't it didn't work out quite the way we intended it, but it was, we had a good time <laughs> at any rate. It certainly was tasty. It didn't I, make for good radio. I did ask Carmen to listen to some of the newer shows, and hopefully they're more enjoyed than the ESB show. I'm anxiously awaiting to see what... Would Carmen say? Like Carmen yeah, would Carmen will say, well, we can only hope. So thank you, Carmen. Notice we keep saying Carmen because we're not sure if Carmen was a guy or a girl. I really think it's a guy. It's written like a guy. And, um, and then you just sold it the female Carmen if it was. If, if it is the female Carmen, then I apologize. On to news. We've got a whole bunch of news, and some of this news is kind of old now. So hopefully it's still news to you. Okay. Well, this, is the, this one's from October 13th, that there was an eternal audit at the Great American Beer Festival and they announced that instead of Sierra Nevada winning their mid-sized brewing company of the year, the award goes to New Glarus Brewing Company. It was like the fourth tiebreaker or something. So they won by like one little tiebreaker four levels down. So that's the one. Congratulations, New Glarus. Yes, congratulations. They are a Wisconsin brewery that we actually have another news report about right under this one, which is that they, perhaps off the heels of winning the mid-sized brewery gold medal, they are going to boost capacity. They are going to triple it, as a matter of fact. But they're not expanding distribution. They're expanding that, capacity just to meet the demand in Wisconsin. That, that sucks, because we really want to try some. Well, we're going to have to go on a road trip. <laughs> Craft Beer Radio Road Trip. Their current capacity is 44,000 barrels, and they want to expand to 120,000 barrels. The big jump. Yes. The next news item is from Coors. And this isn't Macromuck. No. They're actually doing something interesting. What they're doing is they're entering a partnership with American Company of Aurora. But they're turning their spilled beer into ethanol. Which is a gas additive. Right. So they're going to make a revenue stream out of their used beer. It's kind of a, a renewable energy type thing. I mean, it's basically... A a revenue stream. It's not necessarily renewable energy. It's not a huge amount of ethanol. 1.5 million gallons a year of ethanol, which is not a crazy huge amount, but it's certainly enough to give them some money. It, it's a clever idea because they have all this runoff. It's crazy. They spill half, one and a half million gallons of beer a year. Well, if, if I was in charge, I'd spill more than that. And the last news item for this week, the hoppier, the healthier? <laughs> I'm sorry, I did read this, and this this strikes me as one of those scientists run amok type things that I, I do not believe, but go on. Okay, apparently a compound that's in hoppy beers is good for you. Xanthohumol mm -hmm. is uh, the compound, and apparently it is one of the more significant compounds in cancer chemo prevention. So, so you're having chemotherapy every time you drink hoppy beer. Hoppy beer. <laughs> and it's quite fitting for this show. Hope my hair doesn't fall out. <laughs> that that's interesting. I mean, but you they have to really analyze how that works, how that gets into beer, how it really enters into your body. It does do cancer prevention. Right. You can't just say, "Oh, this compound is in beer, therefore it prevents cancer." Right? Because other compounds could be more cancer-causing yes. <laughs> right. than that is cancer-preventing. 
So that that's the deal with that one. On to Macro Muck. Our favorite. This is this is a good one. This is a marketing department with their heads up their butts. <laughs> uh Bud Pong. Now have you heard of Bud Pong? I've heard of beer pong. I heard of Bud Pong when I read this article. Right. So, beer pong. It's a college drinking game where you throw the ping pong bottle at the cups and you make the team drink. And right. I've actually only played it once, and I don't even remember the rules that I thoroughly. believe, I haven't played in a long time, but I believe if you get, you're on one side of the ping pong table and there's beers on the other side, and you bounce the ping pong and try to get it into a cup. And if it gets into the cup, then they have to down that beer. Right, and so and you, then the less cups, the harder it is, and yeah, okay, and um, so Budweiser thought, hey, let's have Bud Pong national tournament held at bars, but because we don't want to promote irresponsible drinking, we're going to have it with water. Water. So they were surprised to find out that these tournaments were being held with beer instead of water. Beer. Surprised. <laughs> Shock and horror. Surprised, so they abruptly canceled the promotion. Hmm. Hmm. That's just stupid. I mean, first of all, you're doing a beer pong tournament. You do beer pong. You don't bounce things in the water. The whole idea of it is to get as drunk as possible. You can't, Not butt pong, though. Apparently, <laughs> you can't take. That's like taking a drinking game. You know, one of those drinking games you have for TV shows or something, mm-hmm. and substituting it with. Cheetos. <laughs> I'm just fat and yeah. tired. <laughs> the whole point is to get as drunk as possible. I'm not. We're not endorsing these games, but if you're going to take a game like that, I wonder if they had. You know what they should have had? They should have had congressional hearings from the National Bud Pong Association about players <laughs> using controlled substances for Bud Pong. Mm, you know, Congress is so messed up these days. I don't even want anything else in there. All right. So, <laughs> that's it for Macromuck? That's Macromuck for this one. Okay. The return of What Beer Am I? What Beer Am I? Am I? Am I? Yeah, we're not doing any of that crazy one since right. the big feedback loop a couple shows ago. That was no fun. <laughs> do you want... Maybe I'll do it this time. Okay. okay. Something different. Yes. What Beer Am I, everybody? I am 13% alcohol by volume. Ooh, it's a big one. Mm, that's a lot of alcohol. You got some biggins. I have 200 IBUs. IBU say what? Uh, bitter. Mm, wow. Yeah, 200 of them. Try this one. I am dry hopped for 26 days. 26 days, mind you, with 10 varieties of hops. Yikes. Hmm. Now, that's interesting. There was a thread on Beer Advocate last week. Mm-hmm. And apparently the consensus is any you really can't taste anything over 100 IBUs. Really? It's marketing past there. Well, this is some 100 IBUs worth of marketing. Apparently. And there, someone was talking about a 300 IBU beer, but they didn't really mention it by name, so I don't know what the heck that is. So, I don't know. You know what that reminds me of? They uh, did an Onion uh, article about the shavers, you know, the Mach 3 or something like okay. that. And they had one that was... When Schick came out with four blade one, and the the onion had an editorial that was, F it, it's like the guy from Gillette, F it, I'm gonna do five blades. <laughs> a year later, Gillette comes out with a five blade eraser. <laughs> so it was life imitating the onion, but that sort of that reminded me of. Okay, anyway, <laughs> on to uh, the American IPA, which is our beer of the week. Oh, you know what? For uh, what beer am I? If you have a guess, you can email us oh, at, right, yes. beer at craftbeerradio.com. Beer at craftbeerradio.com. On to American IPAs. On to American IPAs. Is it, these are fun beers. They're hoppy. They're really tasty. Okay, Delicious. so right now we have the style sheet for it. This is from the BJCP guides. The aroma should be prominent to intense hop with a citrusy floral perfume-like resinous piney and or fruity character That's derived from American hops. Sounds delicious, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Many versions are dry hopped and can have additional grassy aroma, although it's not required. Clean multi sweetness may be found in the background, but it should be at a lower level than the English examples. Mm-hmm. Fruitiness, either in esters or hops, may also be detected in some versions, although a neutral fermentation character is also acceptable. Some alcohol may be noted. That just sounds great, doesn't it? It does. The flavor 
is very similar. Hop flavor should reflect American hops. It's received floral, resinous, piney, or fruity aspects. High hop bitterness, although the malt backbone will support a strong hop character and provide the best balance. Mm. No diacetyl in this one. You shouldn't taste that sort of buttery, butterscotch flavor. No, it should, most of them are going to have a pretty yeah. dry flavor, and and that that diacetyl gives it a really slick, yeah. and and it adds to like the the wetness of the feel of the beer. So you should be basically getting a hoppy, bitter beer with um, you know a, a strong flavor of American hops, and it should look pale. It should look uh, yellow to orange to in that area. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Get into the good stuff. Huh? Oh, uh, temperatures. Oh, I didn't prepare that sheet. Oh, please stand by. I'm rusty. Okay, for this beer, the food pairings are curried or Thai for cuisine. Hmm. Curried or Thai. Cheese, peppery, Monterey, pepper jack, sharp like blue, cheddar, pungent like gorgonzola, Limburger. It's a really all kinds of cheese. Yeah, a wide variety. I'm surprised by by the the, the Thai food, the Courier Thai. I've had Indian with IPAs. Well, obviously the yeah, names and right. Thai, and, and they do go very well together. I, I, I'm I'm not so shocked at all, but I think IPAs would go with other food pretty well too. But we'll, we'll for, taste the meat, and yeah, for the meat. For the meat, they mention poultry, fish, shellfish, oh, and salmon. Okay. For the glassware, we're going to use a standard pint glass, and the serving temperature is 40 to 40 or. 45 to 50 degrees for serving. Pretty much standard. 40 to 45 for cellaring. This beer is generally not recommended for cellaring unless it's a higher in alcohol beer. Okay. Well, we're going to pause, let these beers get up to temperature, and then start with Tupper's Hot Pocket Ale. And we're back. We're back. We didn't have to wait as long. These beers were almost perfect. Great. This is Tupper's Hot Pocket Ale. Uh, an American IPA with the alcohol of 6.0 or 5%, which is interesting. I guess we didn't get the quite quite the numbers in that we wanted. Bitterness of 60 IBUs. Uh, hopped with the Mount Hood and Cascade hops. It won the gold medal at the Great American Beer Festival in 1997. So certainly an award-winning beer. Ooh. <laughs> get a, a malt and, and hop right away. Yeah, a lot of malt flavor or aroma in this right. one. Uh, it's a sweet. It's almost a little uh, biscuity, almost. Yeah, I think it's a good a good call. There, there's there's that biscuity. There's you know fresh biscuits. There's actually a biscuit malt. Now I can't promise that it's in this beer, but it's named biscuit because it gives you that aroma and flavor of biscuits. So. Hmm. The brewery has a annual production of thirty thousand barrels. Okay, the head on it poured a nice, uh, thick, creamy head. It is. Uh, Mostly white, just a little uh, cream colored, I guess. Right. And the color is sort of a light tan. It's uh, fairly cloudy. Can't see through it. Well, mine you can. Oh, well, guess what? I poured the bottom half of the bottle. I think so. <laughs> so, well, obviously, it's, it's bottle, bottle conditioned. conditioned. A lot of malt on this one, more than I expect. It hits you right in the back. And the hoppiness comes in the front of your tongue. I'm still getting that malt, uh, a malt combined with bitterness in the roof of my mouth. And the very back sides of my mouth. But it's trying to describe this type of malt because it's a different type of malt than you might expect. It's not sort of a caramel malt. It's much more bready. Could be that biscuit malt that you were talking about. Yeah. It's, um, there's some bitterness to it. Mm-hmm. Flavor-wise, there's not that much hops that I'm getting right now, at least. Like Nail. I said, I'm getting a little bit of hoppiness in, in the front. But okay. I'm getting a lot of... Really, what what I can best describe is sort of a biscuity malt. The back is very interesting flavored. Doesn't hit me like a, like a, a I would expect an American IPA to hit me. So it may be a little mislabeled for the style, as far as I. This is the beer where I said it's a nice English pale ale, and someone wrote in saying, "No, it's not. It has American Cascade hops and everything." Um, does it taste American or English? It does to not. You? It does not taste American. It definitely tastes more on the English side. Okay, so I wasn't my memory wasn't failing me as much. It's it's a great beer. I um I'm enjoying drinking it's it. It's really unique. I I really do like it. Um I don't know how it, well it fits into the whole IPA thing though. This is uh by the way, we did I did mention the brewery which is Tupper's Hot Pocket Brewing Company in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh also apparently brewed by Old Dominion. It in Virginia is Old Dominion. 
and Tupper's Hot Pockets, the label, I think. It's kind of confusing. Yeah. Maybe it's a contract brew? Because, like it says, Tupper's Hot Pocket, which maybe is like the, the label or the beer marketing company or something. They're in mm. Bethesda, but Old Dominion is in Ashburn, Virginia. It could just be across the river or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah, it was kind of confusing when I looked it up. I, mean, I, I come from Maryland, so I know where Bethesda is, but I'm not sure where Ashburn is. I don't want to say that this beer is not hoppy, but the hops are mostly just balancing out the beer. Yeah, and they're hidden behind the malt. The malt is, is very expressive in this beer. It, it's weird because you get in that residual bitterness, so obviously there, there's some hop character in there, but that bitterness is, is latched onto the maltiness. Yeah, and like at the hop flavor that I'm getting, it's just enough to balance the beer out. It's not head like an IPA yeah. like the style guide that we just read the hop should be in the foreground on mm -hmm. a lot of these I'm just I just want to make sure that I'm not that it's not good in there and I'm just expecting too much you know that's what I'm trying to think now I'm trying to analyze this and make sure I'm not expecting too much as we're used to hoppy right we're beers. used to overblown American IPAs right. and I'm trying to look at this one objectively again and, we like the beer but we're just trying to compare it style-wise. Yeah, I'm trying to look at it objectively and make sure I'm just not missing an assertive but yet subtle hop character that spoiled Americans are missing type thing. Well, this Mount Hood hop, never heard of. I've heard of it. I've never really had it isolated to taste or smell or anything. I definitely can't really taste the Cascade on here. Maybe a slight bit in the front of my tongue, like I said, but it's, it's not well... Because you know, Cascades are great fruity, citrusy. Don't really get a lot of that. I'm getting a little bit more hop flavor now. Now that the beer is nearly gone and it's warmer. And it's it's a little bit of a floral citrus flavor. It just took a long time before I could start tasting yeah. it. That last, well, not my last sip, but the last sip that I took, it did have a fair hoppy flavor to it and not as much malt. I'd say the malt is actually evolving to a little more chocolatey. It almost tastes like a Nestle's Crunch. Maybe it took all that to get my tongue warmed up. But <laughs> those last two sips of that beer, I definitely saw it, saw some more hoppiness to it. And dare I say, it does taste American to me now. So I don't know what the first half of that beer was telling my tongue, but it did seem to come around. Hmm, it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting because it did evolve. Very good. I, I like this one a lot. This is one I would not be against having another one or two. Too bad I only have one of them. Unfortunately. We'll move on to one that we are very familiar with, because it's a local Pennsylvania brewery. Victory Brewing Company's Hop Devil. Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Now, it's called Hop Devil not because, oh, it's got so much hops, it's a devil, but because the Hop Devil is actually a mythical creature that protects hops fields. This is a 6.7% alcohol, American IPA. Hops are American whole flowers... Of what? I don't know. It it didn't say. Mm. I'm sure it's going to be a Cascade or Centennial. Yeah. It'll probably be pretty obvious when we drink it. The interesting thing about Victory Brewing Company is they use all whole hops for everything, from what I was told. No pellets. For bittering, no pellets. So they like the character of the fresh hops. It costs more and takes up a lot more space yeah. in the warehouse. I have these bales of whole hops, but that's what they use. 8,000 barrels of Downingtown, PA. Website of Victory Beer. Uh, they have won awards. This is Domestic Beer of the Year in Malt Advocate Magazine, 1999. And championed the American beer in the Great British Beer Festival, 2002. Okay, this is a bottle con or a filtered beer. Mm -hmm. It is relatively clear. It's dark. It's almost a brown color. Almost, um, yeah. Like, like a dark iced tea. Yeah, yeah. The head is the same cream color. It's the same consistency of all these beers. Like a creamy head. A couple large bubbles coming up through it in the center. And I'm mostly smelling just sort of a malt and not really getting much hoppy aroma, although a little starting to leak through now as I swirl around a bit. Yeah, I can definitely smell it now. As I swirl around, I, those, those hops definitely smell like Cascade. Something is coming through big time. Okay. The big difference on this beer from the other one. Oh, yeah. Lots of hop flavor. Mm -hmm. Almost a peppery taste along with it. Yeah, a little bit. That's, um... It's been a while since I've had this beer, but that's not how I remember it. I'm trying to figure out if there's enough flavor in this one or not. Tastes like it might be a little bit oxidized. 
Hmm. Yeah, it has a little bit of um, cardboardy feel yeah. to it. A little bit. I checked the date on this bottle, and it seemed like it should have been okay. It was in a um, a dark cooler at Marioni's Pleasure Bar, so I thought it would be okay. But you never know. But it is a little bit oxidized. The took there, but it's still it's still good. I mean, you can still taste the bitterness. You can still taste that the upfront uh, hoppiness. The aftertaste in it isn't normally. It's just a nice clean bitterness that hangs in your mouth. Mm. There's a little bit of that oxidation hanging around too, though. It, the, the the aftertaste isn't as good. Fortunately, we can recall this from memory that we know that this beer is a little bit better than this usually. Hits you with some strong hops right away. Fades out bitterness on the back of your tongue. Maltiness is uh, not huge, but it's there. Getting some citrusy flavors up front in the in like the front of your mouth. Uh, it's, it's coming back with a little bit of maltiness and bitterness. And the bitterness, like you said, hangs around the back of your tongue roof of your mouth and leaves the front of your mouth mostly dry uh the mouthfeel is it's got sort of a full fuller mouthfeel and medium to heavy carbonation it also has sort of almost a, a creamy taste to it because of the fullness of the mouthfeel actually that's it tasted better it's um has a lot of um bitter aftertaste that's for sure mm-hmm. flavor wise there's um some hops there, but it's not as much as I recall. And maybe that's fond memories. Maybe this beer isn't, well, I mean, isn't I, perfect. So. I've always I've always noticed that it doesn't really have, even though it's called Hop Devil, and you know it has hop in the name, it doesn't have the kind of upfront hit you in the face with hops character that some other IPAs do. Okay, they're there. You notice them, but they're balanced much more balanced with the malt than other examples of this style. Okay, I would say this is not an aggressive IPA. Whereas the next one probably is. I remember the first time I had this beer. It was when I was just getting into craft beer. And it was actually the same anecdote I told last week. The six-pack where I got the Sierra Nevada Porter. Uh-huh. I got this beer too. It was at the time I really wasn't sure what hops tasted like. I'm like, oh, hop devil. That's got to <laughs> smack you in the head with hops. So I ordered it and took it home. And from that point on, I was... Much yeah. less curious on what hops tasted yeah. like. I was able to know at the point. So, but still, I mean, this like we say, this is not, this is not just hops you're presented with. You're getting malt, you're getting some extra. Uh, I would almost say phenolic flavors in there, but I don't know how much the yeast is adding to that. I think you're getting the spiciness from the hops, not really from the yeast here. Yeast, the yeast are giving it some, um, some of the fruity ale flavors, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get much phenols from. Uh, this kind of yeast. This is, it's probably a Victory House yeast, but it's a derivative of a, an American ale type. Well, I mean, it's, it's off a little bit, but I don't think it's off that much. It's certainly drinkable. It's a good beer. Actually, the more I drank it, maybe um, my tongue's getting a little pounded down with hops and <laughs> IBUs and alpha acids. At the end, it didn't taste as bad as the first couple of sips. Maybe the stuff with the, I don't know, you had a, you poured it, so... It was it's it's filtered, so it's not like I had more sediment or less sediment yeah. or something, and that adding or distracting from the flavor. It turned around, and uh, uh, yeah, I think like you said that the assertive flavors came out and they they masked some of the oxidation. You know what? I'm gonna I think we should uh, let's take a couple minutes here and uh, cleanse our palates. Okay, because I got a lot of bitterness on my tongue, and yeah. it's gonna mess up the next beer. Okay, we're back. That helped a lot. Two crackers and a couple drinks of water cleaned off our tongues thanks tom for suggesting that i don't know if i would have thought of it on my own definitely a good idea if you're tasting a bunch of different beers have a little something to cleanse the palate in between especially a beer like this where it's really going to stay on your tongue yeah if we wouldn't have rinsed that hop devil off i think we would have tasted it for at least 15 minutes (laughs) this is the stone ipa and regular listeners know how i feel about stone and how jeff feels about it too this is an American IBA, um, like all the beers, of course. It's a 6.9% alcohol by volume, a bitterness of 77 IBUs from the Stone Brewing Company in San Marcos, California, with an annual production of 17,000 barrels. They, For listeners who don't remember or maybe new, why don't you explain what you meant by how you feel about Stone? Yes. Um, I'm not a fan of aggressive beers. I come out right and say it. I just I feel that aggressive beers try too hard. Uh, particularly Stone, I think, is guilty of this, that they throw as much flavor at you as they possibly can, 
and don't try to mute it at all and just sort of say, take it or leave it. Almost like shoving something unmentionable in your face. Okay. And, you know, I, I get it. I get the whole arrogance thing. It's funny, but it's, it's not for me. And the, the beers, I think, are better when they're... Well, I feel they're better when they're more crafted right. than stone. Oh, it makes sense. They're, I think they're uh, eighth anniversary. That Lee's Mild, supercharged, whatever it was. I think that was a pretty good crafted beer. This year's, the ninth anniversary is... Something like an imperial wheat. I haven't yet had it yet. My next door neighbor Bob has had it, and he said it was uh, it was okay. It was interesting, but I'm definitely have to get my hands on to see what that stuff's like. Check out the aroma on this beer. Ooh, it's very grassy, uh, very full hoppy. I mean, you can smell a lot of this house. It's very grassy aroma. It's powerful. I'm pretty I, sure that's the uh, Cascade hops. Very. And dry hopped craziness, because that's what you're getting from this. Maybe you should explain what dry hopping is. Dry hopping is when a brew, after the beer is done fermenting, Mm -hmm. all the physical activity is done, the yeast starts to settle out. They'll add more hops to the beer, and it doesn't add bitterness, because you need to do the boil to do the bitterness. It doesn't add much flavor, maybe some, but what it does add is the aroma to the beer, mostly. That's the majority of what you get from dry hopping. And uh, this beer is a prime example because you take a whiff and you just smell this citrusy, grassy aroma just coming out of this beer. Yeah, that's all you smell. It dominates every other smell in there. You just get this. Yeah, there is no malt aroma in this beer yeah. at all. Mm. It smells pretty darn good. <laughs> the appearance on this beer, light orange. Right. Very clear. The head is large and fluffy on it. Poured the bottle just about normal. I saw it was getting a big head, so I poured a lighter, and it still maintained a large yeah. head on it. And, and the head is still staying. It's about two fingers worth. I even stuck my nose in it, and the, uh, the nose oils haven't made the head disappear, so... By accident, of course. You definitely taste that sort of grassy hoppiness. There's almost a, a sugariness to the malt that's there. Yeah, with these beers, I get... There's a... The malt backbone combined with the the juicy, fruity hop flavors give you this big, juicy flavor, mm-hmm. a sweet, juicy flavor, and you definitely get that with this. That's a great way of describing it, because it, it almost tastes like juicy fruit. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Like I said, yeah. juicy, because it, and it, it's both components, too, because with just the hops, it wouldn't be that juicy without malt backbone yeah. pushing it up. And juicy fruit, uh, I'm referring to the gum, for those of us who may, I know maybe we have some international listeners who aren't aware that we have a juicy fruit gum that kind of tastes like this flavor that's coming out of it. It's um, fruity, citrusy, with a little hint of grassiness, which isn't there in the gum, in the gum but that, that flavor, this, the fruity citrusy, is definitely coming through big time. When it's, you, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, when you first take the sip, you taste the hops. Mm-hmm. It tastes like sucking on a fresh hop almost. Yeah. I mean, it's front, the front edge of your tongue is covered with hops. As it comes back over your tongue, the middle to the back part is where you pick up the malt, the juiciness on it. And you get the big full mouthfeel on this beer. I just notice that you get really hops at the beginning. Then as it rolls back, it's the juiciness from it. And the, the aftertaste, there's bitterness there, but it's not as bitter as the last beer. Yeah. You don't have as much lingering bitterness as you did with the Hop Devil. But you have a lingering hop flavor in the middle of your tongue that's really strong. And there's a little bit of bitterness or, or wetness that hits the top of your mouth around, almost around your molars, it seems like. But yeah, the, there, there's that hot flavor with combined with a little bitterness that just sort of sticks there right in the middle of my tongue. This is, I have to say, my favorite stone beer. I, I actually am uh, enjoying this a lot because I love a, a you know strong, assertive, hot flavor that doesn't, doesn't knock you off the side. Now, one thing I'd like to try, I've never compared them. You know the Stone Ruination IPA. Mm-hmm. Ruination because they say on the label, you know, Stone has these nice little labels that are, yeah. have to tell a little story. Greg just yeah. rolled his eyes. I, I think the labels are nice. I and... roll my eyes at all Stone things because, I, I mean, the whole arrogance thing to me, I'm not sure what they're going for. They're going for sort of a humorous, ha-ha, we're, we're sort of making fun of ourselves, or are they going for a real serious, we're better than you thing? I don't know. I'm rolling my eyes because 
I kind of get the impression that they really do think we're better than you. Okay. But if it's if it's the jokey ha ha ness, then then you know that that that's kind of cool. The ruination is named that way because after you drink it, it'll ruin your palate or your tongue for anything less hoppy than it is. It's yeah, you know, it's really yeah. hoppy. I've never compared it side by side with this. This is pretty hoppy by itself. Yeah. I know the ruination is pretty hoppy. <laughs> I'm just curious, side by side, how much more hoppy the ruination seems. I mean, let me tell listeners that, yeah, I'm, I'm aware that Stone's tongue is firmly in their cheek, but I'm just wondering how far it's in their cheek. Here you go. Our philosophy. We hardly keep it a secret that we revel our love in big beer or in big character ales. We have way too much fun creating our brews to even think a moment about brewing anything that's less truly unique and, uh, and outstanding. Now, again, that's marketing. That's yeah. the label designer. But they just want to brew stuff that says, wow, that's that's over the top. And so. I have no problem with, with them doing that. I mean, they, they certainly have an audience. Certainly have people who love their beers. I know that people on Beer Advocate just go crazy for their beers. I mean, they every single beer there is extremely highly rated, including beers that I feel are not don't deserve that kind of accolades. But people like it. And so I don't see any reason why they should stop brewing that way. Yeah, I don't really dislike any of the beers. The... We didn't have too nice the things to say about their Russian imperial style, uh-huh. but that was when it was hot in summertime. Right, taste that again in a couple months when it's nice and cold. Might I think we'll change our tune? And I am still looking forward to doing an aggressive beer show, even though I'm not a fan of aggressive beers. I, I want to do the show. I want to experience that whole universe right in front of me and you know, hit me, knock me back to the wall, and, and see what I think of it when it's all over. Take your tongue, tired and bleeding, home and <laughs> and nurse it back to health. Its first was released in August of 1997. Uh, Stone, we haven't really mentioned distribution areas for a lot of these beers, but the uh, distribution area is uh, Arkansas, Arizona, California, Colorado, Indiana, um, Idaho. Idaho, Kentucky, Maine, Nevada, New Mexico, New York, Ohio. Massachusetts, not Maine. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a bunch of states. Yeah, it's a bunch of states. And I, I, sometimes I wonder <laughs> if reading off fifteen or twenty states is useful for your listeners. Well, I mean, maybe I, you can let us know. It might be because somebody who's in that state, you know, they may just be not focusing on it. Then they hear their state and perks their ears up. Okay. Well, let's see: Massachusetts, Nevada, New Mexico, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and Washington. So it, it is a wide distribution area. It's not huge, but it's around, and you'll probably be able to find here's, it. Here's a, character, a thing I found on their website. Two full weeks of dry hopping they use on this beer. So you assuming you, that would mean every day they add a dose of hops to the beer for two weeks to dry hop this wow. beer. That would explain the aroma that yeah. came off this oh, thing, yeah. wouldn't it? I mean, this was a huge aroma. This is, um, and the aroma was very much like the flavor of the beer. I guess there was more flavor to it, more different flavors than just the aroma, but you definitely tasted that aroma in there. That's a really good stone. It's it's not it's not one that's gonna beat you into submission. And but it really does express the flavor of their hops extremely well. Yeah, and I am a big fan of that and so I, I'm a fan of this beer. It's my first stone that I really have enjoyed. Okay. At six point nine percent it's not really a session beer, you couldn't drink it all night. Mm-hmm. But a lot of stones, after two, your tongue is beaten into submission, right. and you really can't enjoy stuff after that. This one is, uh, granted, this is their IPA, and this is one of their most mild beers. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Our next and last beer of the night is the White Hawk Original IPA. This is an American IPA, uh, 7% alcohol. With 60 IBUs from the Mendocino Brewing Company. What have we had from them before? Because I know we've had them. I know we've liked their beers. We had the Blue Heron in the summer one. Mm-hmm. I want to say, did we have the Red Tail in the American that sounds, Pale Ales? That sounds familiar. The, uh, if you listen to the Good Beer Show this past episode, they tasted the Talon, which is a barley wine. 10.5% or something Our like that. Our barley wine show is going to be crazy. I'm not a huge fan of barley wines, but we're going to get drunk. Uh, brewery location is Ukiah, California. <laughs> California. It's what you wrote down It's California. Um, 
with gold and beer and then their hills. <laughs> with an annual production of 18,000 barrels, brewery started. 1983 is an old brewery. You know one thing I like about this condenser microphone? Speaking. What's that? Listen. That's nice. It's a nice sound. You gotta pump that up big time, though. Yeah, I think I'll be able to hear him. Uh, I have a coworker who um, who has his his issues at certain things, but when they <laughs> we all have a when they pour a like beer that. on a radio commercial just like that, he it makes his skin crawl. Really? If you go into his office, and go. Uh, it makes his skin crawl. It's hilarious, that, and he's allergic to closed cell <laughs> foam, that packing foam. So if you rub it on him, he breaks out in the hives. It's hilarious. Uh, that's funny. That, that does remind me of, I used to, when, when I listened to commercials where people were eating potato chips, you hear that, ow, 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 ow. And you never hear that when you're actually eating it, because all you hear is the internal stuff. So I used to make that sound when I was a kid, you know, I was a young kid. <laughs> I used to make that sound, because I thought that was sort of expected. <laughs> I was eight years old when he had to do it. That's funny. <laughs> okay, the aroma on this one. There's a... Uh... A little bit of hops there. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's more of a balanced smell. Yeah. I mean, compared to that stone, everything's going to be more balanced. Right. What's going on? <laughs> this is a house of noises today. Okay, it's gone, whatever it was. I don't even know where that noise came from. I think it might have been upstairs. I need a studio. We need yeah. a craft beer radio studio. <laughs> Get some soundproof walls. What do you think Heather would say if I start hanging like egg curtains and foam up on the walls? They could do it around here. I, yeah, I don't think it would. Do it in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, the aroma is. I, I smell a little bit of that grassiness, um, but it doesn't quite have the same kind of oomph. As yeah, a stone. there's some malt in the aroma that balances it out. Now the flavor, I just took a sip, I got ahead of you. The flavor is, it's more malty, mm -hmm. but it still has a significant hop presence. It's hoppier than yeah. the Tupper's was. Yeah. But it has a similar, not the exact same, but a similar malt presence that the Tupper's had. We should mention this has a nice creamy head like the, all the other ones, about a two-finger head. Uh, and it's a little bit... Uh, Hmm. A little bit of a darker beer than the stone, I'd say. Darker than the stone, lighter than the hop devil. Right. It's a golden color. Yeah. And it's very clear. Hmm, okay. So you're you're hit with a mild citrus hop in the beginning, fades away to more of a malty taste, and then gives you some bitterness in almost a crescent shape at the back of your tongue. <laughs> and uh that's kind of what I tasted, too. Mm -hmm. Here's an interesting question. We are drinking these from lowest to highest alcohol tonight. Right. We probably should have put the stone last because we because knew it was, it was, we knew it was yeah, going to be the hoppiest. Yeah. So maybe a little snafu here. This one isn't too overpowered by the stone. Yeah. I ate a couple crackers real quick there, and it got the washed the, the hops off. Take enough really small sips, then we'll be able to taste it by the end, right? Or big sips, right? Isn't there a... There's sort of a war on that particular thing. It's big sips versus small sips. Um, hmm. This is more in line with with the, with the typical IPA flavor, I think, on our first two. Get a little bit of moderate I'd hops. say moderate yeah. to, to, to high hop flavor. You know, not, okay. not extreme, right. but moderate to high hoppiness. Okay, yeah. Um, if we call the stone extreme, then this is moderate to high. Yeah. And when you drink it... It certainly has some some malt there, something the stone was lacking. Because yeah. the stone was just, here's some hops. Drink it. <laughs> and also, I, I would say the bitterness doesn't rely much on your tongue as much on the roof of your mouth. And the way that that works is it also is kind of breathing out with the alcohol some of the hoppiness, some of that citrusy flavor. Now, this is slightly more alcohol than any of the other beers tonight. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get a little more of the... When you're drinking, when you're tasting alcohol... You you feel you don't just get it on your tongue. You get it in your cheeks. You get it right. in the different receptors all over your mouth, and it breathes more too. It it breathes out, and it, you can catch those aromas even after it's gone. Certainly, and you're you're getting a lot of that with this beer. Too bad I can't rewind and go back to stone and compare <laughs> how much different it is. But it's good. It's good. I I think I'm almost I, getting a little diacetyl at the end. I think maybe, but I'm not able to taste it. 
I wish if I could change something about the spirit. It seems like in the middle to late taste there, it just feels a little weak, a little empty. It could really? use no, a I'm little not, more malt or a little more hops. I'm but, not feeling that no? at all. Okay. I, I said I asked a little bit now that I think about it, it, it's more just sort of a hoppy maltiness that's there. I actually, I, I feel it, it. it's really strong at the end. I like that. Okay. Well, yeah, but the, a little bit before that. Okay. <laughs> Like right there. Jeff is pressing the middle of his tongue for those of you who can't see him. <laughs> There's um <laughs> It just I don't know, it seemed like there was a little void right there. Yeah, no, I'm definitely taste. tasting that, but in, in that maybe you're feeling that because the stone was so strong right there. Yeah. It was really pressing right there. And this one is more directed to the outside of your tongue. And the middle is kind of left bare. But it's almost not fair to taste this after the stone because it is a very well-crafted flavor experience mm-hmm. on this beer. And I think we're saying that part of the taste is less than the stone, but not really fair. Yeah. Well, I, it, it's that time of the show where we rank. Please don't make me do that. Oh, I have a rank already in mind. That's oh, the, do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, big okay. time. You go because you're going to okay. probably influence my decision because I am not sure. Well, I, I may surprise you because my favorite of the night... Because I love hops. I love hops. Guess. The stone. It's the stone. The stone is my favorite of the night. It would never have expected me to say that. But there you go. <laughs> so even I can be influenced and, and change in my mind. Stone wins here. Um, for me, the second is this one we're tasting right now, the White Hawk. Okay. Um, I think it really expresses the kind of flavor I expect out of American IPA. Uh, it doesn't, you know, hit you over the head with hops, which stone doesn't really either. I mean, they're there, they're very assertive, they're extreme, but it's not whacking you, whack, 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 you're down for the count, if that makes any sense. Okay. And then number three. Number three would be Hop Devil, only because I don't really feel that, which was it, the, the Hop Pocket fit in with the style. I would okay. probably rank Hop Pocket ahead of Hop Devil. Uh, in terms of overall I, enjoyability yeah. and drinkability, but I don't really feel that it fit in with the whole American IPA style, so it would go hot pocket out of the style, uh, hop devil, white hawk stone IPA. See, so you're gonna make me think now, because I was gonna rank the toppers higher because I was thinking overall impression and not. Judging it to be, you know, points you can certainly the, do that if you want. No, I think I'm going to, since uh, I do enough BJCP judging in the BJCB class, <laughs> which we'll talk about in the after show, because we're already at an hour almost. Um, I liked the Tuppers as an overall beer. Mm-hmm. I thought it, it was malt had a nice malt to it. It didn't taste American till the very end, but I. I liked the flavor the That's whole way true. through. The very end did kind of did kind of taste more American, didn't it? Yes. To yeah, me, I, it did. I may have to throw it in front of the Hop Devil then. See, I'm gonna have right, to rank right. the Hop Devil last because this bottle did not taste yeah. very good to me. Hop Devil's a great beer. Don't pass it up if you've never had it and you see it. But tonight it's going to be last. I am going to say the White Hawk IPA is third. It had some good flavors. Nothing really drove it home for me, though. It's nothing uh, excited me. Um, if it's on tap somewhere, I'll try it because I've never had it on tap and see how it stands up to this one because it's a worthy beer. It just didn't do it like the other two did. The uh, I'm gonna have to say that the stone is the best one tonight. It's a nice, clean hop flavor. Right. I'm not sure about the hops, but it tasted like it was pretty much a straightforward. Cascade hop or something like just a normal. I, I don't really drink. typically find cascades that grassy. Okay, maybe, but I could be well, wrong. Now we're sh- I'll just you know show my ignorance, you know. But some of the other Northwest styles, Centennial, yeah, it doesn't taste like a Chinook or one of the high alpha ones, really. Um, and maybe if 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 you throw Cascade, 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 maybe it does start to get a bit grassy. I don't know. Um, you know, but that said, that I will probably. I agree. It got more American IPA after. The, I'm sorry. The um, the hot the pocket got more American IPA after we we drank it a little bit, and so I may have to throw that in front of the, 
in front of the Hop Devil for my rank. So my rank would be Stone, again, White Hawk, Hop Pocket, Victory. And then mine would just reverse the middle, too. Stone, Hop Pocket, White Hawk, Victory. Sorry, Victory, this bottle just wasn't perfect, and I know you can't help that. Uh, but, like I said, don't pass it up. Give it a try when you can. I have more than once got a case of Hop Devil and really, really enjoyed it, and you won't go wrong with Hop Devil. That's all for this episode of Craft Beer Radio, the first of two IPA episodes. If you want to get in contact with us, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. You could vote for us on Podcast Alley and leave us a vote. It is November. Oh, that's so right. It's November. We, we didn't even seven. mention that. It's November. We have to get new votes now to get... We were up the 23rd, right? We did awesome last month. Yeah. Thank you. We're at like 80 right now. We're still on the second page. I think that's pretty good. Getting on the first page would be wonderful again. We are up to 1,600 listeners, I think. We that's gained great. about 200 over the past week or two. And uh, it's great growth. Thank you very much. Yeah, if you're a new listener... I hope you enjoyed the show, and tell your friends. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. See you next week. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Hey,